If you haven't participated in your 401k or Roth, first, you're missing a big advantage in growing your wealth. And now for Render My Money 2021, Session 5. Good evening. First of all, I want to welcome everyone to the fifth edition of the Render My Money class. Today, our topic is how do I invest? You remember last month we talked about investment one-on-one. I gave you a glossary so you can understand. And today, I have went through the process of thinking how do I want to tell people how to invest? Because right now, we're in a unique type of climate for investing. There are a lot of what you call emotional things going on in the market. There are some things that people are very excited about. And what I always try to do, because I went through the whole process of when the market, 20 years ago, the market was very exciting when tech, when we went through the whole internet introduction. If you all remember the tech craze. And it's almost the same thing all over again. Only difference is, it's Bitcoin there. So, you know, I want to sort of give the proper advice. So in thinking, I said, well, maybe I should talk about all areas of investing. And then I said, no. Always go with the rule of success. Find someone who's done it well and have been able to do it for a long period of time and copy them. How many of you all agree with that philosophy? So we're going to see a video today. And in that video, it's going to talk about how to invest. And it's going to give you the fundamental principle. And I'm going to ask a question after the videos are over. And if people have done what's in the video, then we can talk about some what I call high-risk investment. Warren Buffett had one rule, and I, we read it last month. Anybody remember that rule? There you go. Don't lose money. He had a rule number two. There you go. There you go. That's right. And it's amazing. It's amazing. Right now, I just thought about an example or an idea. If somebody came to you and they said, listen, I've just been to Vegas five times in a row, and each time I've gone there, I've gambled $1,000, and I've made 10000 I got a system. Now, there's a slight risk. It's possible you can lose your whole thousand. It's not guaranteed, but it's worked for me the last five times I've gone there. And I'll share with you. How many of you all would go there and gamble $1,000? Anybody? Give me a hand. Okay, got, okay, three, right, okay, three, okay. So we got three people, four, right? So those people that raised their hands said, I have $1,000 to lose. I have $1,000 I can lose. I'm willing to lose $1,000. Whenever you think about investing, that's the risk that you have to put in mind. Am I willing to lose this money? Especially if you don't know anything about the system. You don't know how it works. I just told you, I got a system. You trusted me. And that's what everybody's doing right now. The whole hype behind Bitcoin is people hearing about other people making money. Right? How many people have seen a Bitcoin? How many people have used a Bitcoin? Come on, I got one person. Anybody else? How many actually really know how it works and why is it multiplying and the rate is multiplying? What is the business fundamental that's making it multiply? You know what a business fundamental is? A business fundamental is you see a sales transaction happening and you see a growth pattern and you see profits. Those are business fundamentals. You can go to Walmart, you see a sale happening, you see growth, you see people constantly go, right? Going there, right? There's no business fundamental at Kmart. How many people invest in Kmart? 
Those are basic fundamentals. So when you look at this video, I want you to get, I just had to go back, and I just remember going through the process last, we didn't get to this part, but I went through the whole series, and I said, this is what I need to tell people how to invest. So we're going to look at this video, about 40 minutes, and then we're going to talk. I only had three people who was willing to lose $1,000, so nobody else should be really interested in Bitcoin, because you got to be willing to lose the money to invest in it. But I'm going to talk a little bit about it anyway. All right, let's play the video. Have you ever thought about retirement? Thought about it? Yeah. Yes, because I put into my pension quite a bit. Well, we got a long, we got a long ways, to ways to go to get there. The sooner you start, the sooner you can quit. So that's really the best advice, right? Start soon, end soon. I started doing my 401k with my uh, job years ago when I first started. Like, I'm so young, I'm not even really thinking about that right now. Hopefully I'll make the right decisions to get there. Yeah. Sure, yeah, I got some. Work-wise, 401k couple Roth RA. Do you think you could become a millionaire? Mm, probably not, no. Sure. It's called the lottery. Um, yeah. The American dream, right? Every day I think that. I'm just waiting for it to happen. I guess. Maybe. I'm a millennial, so most millennials have given up on the thought of becoming millionaires. Possible. If I don't pay that much taxes, but, you know, we're all going to pay, so what, 40% of it? So, but, but we'll see. Hopefully. I think anybody could. You put enough money away yeah. and just kind of stack it for the time. I mean, time and basic math. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Everybody can. Why do you say that? It's, it's, it's in your mind. What does it take? Well, I'm a teacher, so there's really no concept of a millionaire in my mind. <laughs> like, what is that? <laughs> Not attainable at all. I think it takes a little bit of savings. It takes a little bit of, uh, you know, goals and dreams. Uh, a little hard work for sure. You know, you just got to work for what you want. You can be a self-made millionaire. You don't have to be somebody else's money. It takes a strong work ethic, a little bit of luck, and investing wisely. You have to obviously work and have some knowledge of how to invest your money and where to invest your money and how to budget your money. Clearly not me. <laughs> put money away. At least 10%, 20% of your check. Put it in 401k, 47 Save the money. Don't touch it. Uh, by the time you get old, you're going to have a million dollars. The great motivator, Earl Nightingale, used to tell the story of a preacher walking along a country lane. And, and as he came to the top of a rise on this country lane, he looked at the valley below and he saw this beautiful, incredible farm. He, he was walking on towards the farm and the closer he got, the more immaculate he realized this farm was. All of the rows of corn were perfect. There was not a weed in the field. The fence rows were clean. The fences were mended. Everything was as it should be. And as he approached, he started, he began to see the, the farmhouse unfold before him. And of course, the, the lady's garden was the same as the gentleman's field. It was in perfect condition. All the, the fruits and the vegetables were just hanging on the vines out in the, out in the field. The corn was just hanging there. It was an amazing sight. Everything seemed to be in place. It looked like a Norman Rockwell painting. And as the preacher is walking along in the lane in front of this farm, here comes the farmer out to the end of the row. He'd been working there in his corn. Acres and acres and acres of this stuff. The old farmer's, of course, dirty and dusty and he's been working and, and, and tending his field and the, Preacher stops and says, how are you, farmer? And he says, fine, preacher. Thank you for stopping by today. And the preacher backs up and says, 
Farmer, the Lord has blessed you with a beautiful farm. And the farmer says, yes, sir, he has. And I tell him, thank you for that every morning. But you should have seen it when he had it all to himself. (laughs) I've told you this a couple of times. I love that St. Ambrose quote that, that says, pray like it all depends on God and work like it all depends on you. We live in a cause and effect world. We live in a sowing and reaping world. We play our part in this process. The diligent prosper, the Bible says. There is a process we engage in. And so when we get to things like investing, it's not just, it's not as simple as saying, hey, I need to know the mathematics of investing. I need to understand the the laws of IRAs and 401ks. You do need to do those things. If you're going to be a farmer, you need to know that you need to know what seed to plant. You need to know what fertilizer to use. You need to be an expert at your craft in order to get the yield, in order to get the crop to come in. And you and I are the same. We've got to learn enough about these things in order to prosper. We've got to play our part. And yet we know the blessings come from the Lord. We know the source of it. So we get to play this part between works and faith and how the two are interspersed in our lives when we have a balanced, proper life as a Christ follower. We're in there playing our part and doing our thing. This is the lesson where we dream but to start with, we, we just kind of got our little bases built. We, we just got uh, back away from the edge of the cliff. And then we cleaned up the mess that we had made. And then we started laying a solid foundation to build a house on. And now I'm going to show you where this is going to take us. We've been talking about living like no one else so that later we can live like no one else. This is the lesson where we show you how to get to live like no one else in a biblical manner. So this is the part where we dream, and you've got to see that light at the end of the tunnel. But if you don't do this work back here, that light at the end of the tunnel is just an oncoming train. You've got you've got to get the mess cleaned up and lay the foundation. We don't start talking about picking out the roof color until we do the framing and until we've laid the foundation. All right, let's look at the great American dream for a minute. Let's take a 30-year-old couple making an average household income. Now, the average household income, according to the Census Bureau right now, is between forty-eight dollars and $50,000 a year. If that couple making $48,000 a year were to save 15% of their household income, that is $7,200 a year, 600 bucks a month. Now, if they were to save 600 bucks a month in a 401k that doesn't match in some good growth stock mutual funds making 12% growth at age 60, 70, this 30 year old couple would have $7 million. Say wow. I mean, what if I'm half wrong? (laughs) So the big deal here is do something, plug in. And you got to understand that this example is of a loser. This is a loser. What? Well, they, they started out at age 30 at an average household income and for 40 years never got a raise. <laughs> we saved 15% of 48,000 for 40 years. We never got a raise because if you got a raise, you'd be saving more, right? Because we're saving 15% of our income at this stage. So this is a loser. You start at average and you never get a raise. It's okay to start at average, but never getting a raise is not okay. Somewhere in there, you ought to show up often enough and breathe near the boss to get a raise. Charlie's been here 15 years. Maybe we ought to give him a little bump. He's not leaving, so I guess we're going to have to give him a bump. You know, at least a little bit, right? Now, let's take that same couple and let's say that they qualified for a Roth IRA, which right now, as of this shooting, you could put $5,000 each in. 
Now, $5,000 each is $10,000 a year. That's $830 a month invested at 12% from age 30 to age 70. Guess what that is? It's $9.8 million, $10 million. You know what you can do if you have $10 million? Anything you want. I mean, what if I'm half wrong? See, that's living like no one else so that later I can live and give like no one else. I mean, think about it. Let's just go crazy while we're at it. What if you did both? You had 17 million. That's just hard to imagine. It's hard to get that in your head. Well, let me tell you what happens. What happens is long before then, you quit worrying about you. Long before then, you even quit worrying about your kids. It's pretty well okay. Long before then, you start realizing these dollars are tools in my hand that God has given me to help other people. The baby steps work. If you work them in the order we're talking about, you're going to see the results. It takes a, t- it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of hard work, but it works. The diligent prosper. The Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when desire comes, it is a tree of life. Now, how, how do we get to where we can save $600? Well, we've got to get rid of the debt. How do we get to where we can save $600? Well, we've got to do the, the budget together. And we're, we're on paper, on purpose. Every dollar has an assignment. Suddenly, you will start finding money that used to go to the bank and can now go to you because you've gotten control of your most powerful wealth-building tool, which is your income. Now, once the emergency fund is in place, you need to begin retirement and college funding, which all fall under this heading of long-term investing for wealth. Now, let's walk back through the baby steps again. Baby step one is... We're going to do that before we do anything. No other side deals. We get that done first. The second thing we're going to do is we're going to use the... The debt snowball. We're going to list our debts smallest to largest, pay them off in that order with gazelle intensity. Once all of our debts are gone except our home, then baby step three is three to six months months of expenses set aside for emergencies. Now we're sitting there pretty cool right then because we got 10 or $15,000, $20,000 sitting there in cash just for emergencies. We don't have any payments but a house payment. Now it's time to go on the offensive. Now it's time to go out here and plow the field and really start to bring some crops in. And that's where we are. My story started out uh, with me as a 16-year-old coming to the States from Iran. I had a couple of thousand bucks, uh, didn't know anybody. I didn't speak the language. I was excited because it was a new place and there was a lot to explore. But at the same time, I found myself a lot of times just being scared. It's like, you know, what do I do? I had no, uh, like, uh, safety net. It was just like, you know, I got to make it. I've got to make it. I was in the survival mode most of the time and trying to figure things out. Whatever money we made, we spent and then some. We didn't even know that there was anything wrong with living paycheck to paycheck. When we started uh, our FPU uh, journey, that's when we began to really follow the the baby steps. We paid off our debt, we increased our emergency fund into three to six months, and then we invested properly, and that really helped us. I mean, it's really amazing how fast compound effect takes uh, effect. It just happened one day that we looked, and we were like, Millionaires, we're yeah, so, over that mark. So our yeah. net worth at, at some point in the journey went over a million, and we continue wow. to grow. 
Baby step four. Baby step four is invest 15% of your household income into Roth IRAs and or pre-tax retirement plans. Now, now I didn't say 28%. Some of you have been in a hurry. I want to save all I can. I'm a big saver. Hold it down to 15 because I've got some other stuff to do with this money in a little while. We've still got to do college and we still got to get the house paid off. So I want to hold it to 15 for now. Later, you can come back and max it out. But I didn't say 8% and, well, Dave, my company and all the engineering. Listen, don't try to get out of this. What's the least I can do and still be wildly rich? You know, what wrong question, you know? <laughs> what wrong question? You're going to have to plow the field. You got to buckle the horses in and get out. You know, it's got to be done. The, work, the more you save, the more you're going to have. This is how it works, Right? So 15% is where we're going for right here. And here's the weird thing. At almost any income, if you save 15% over an extended period of time, you will retire with dignity, even if you don't get a raise. Take a $25,000 a year person, put the 15% number in there and do that from age 30 to age 70. It's not millions and millions, but it's plenty to live on. They're going to be okay. So the numbers work there. And of course, the big numbers, you start putting 15% of those away. Well, it's big numbers, right? So it works. We've worked this for years. This is not our first ride on this cabbage truck. This stuff is proven out in actual mechanical practice. We know what we're doing. Now, the thing is this. We're going to go through all the technical stuff about 401ks and Roth IRAs, and I can guarantee you one thing. As soon as I finish shooting this, the government will change the laws. So check our website pretty regularly. We keep all the up-to-date stuff on there. So if you hear something in here, you doesn't sound quite right or whatever, it's been changed. It might have been changed. Just go to DaveRamsey.com, go to Financial Peace, get on the website, look at the stuff. It's all in there. We keep up-to-date on everything. So we're going to keep you cutting-edge material there. Everything is available. And... I have a network of people that I endorse for investing across the whole nation and they have to have the heart of a teacher or I won't endorse them, not the heart of a salesman. And they have to have the, they have to agree to, to do investing the way I teach. So I don't send them over there and then you get different advice than what you've heard here or what you've read in one of my books or something like that. There has to be this integrity, this consistency. So you can get with them, you can get online, get up-to-date information, actually start doing the things that we're talking about in this lesson. What's scary is that 42% of American workers have never tried to calculate their retirement. That last year, the average American spent more time in that year watching reality television than they spent in the previous 10 years working on their retirement plan. Now, here's the weird thing. The average millionaire can't tell you who got thrown off the island, who can't dance, who got the robes. We're not sure just who the biggest loser is in this case, are we? Yeah, it could be us, those of us that get glued to our tube. And we could be, end up being the biggest losers in this case. So, you know, you don't want to spend more time on reality television, which, by the way, hint, is not reality. Shocking. <laughs> and, and, and you don't want to spend more time on that than you spend on your actual life and on your future. You spend your time on stuff that actually matters. 70% of workers say they are not where they need to be with their retirement savings. 29% of Americans have less than $1,000 saved. And their plan, I guess, is, well, when I get old, the government, which is well-known for its ability to handle money, will take care of me. Not a good plan. So I use the KISS rule of investing in my life, the keep it simple, stupid rule of investing. Now, it doesn't mean that somebody is simple, and it doesn't mean they're stupid. Some of the most profound things I've ever seen in my life are simple. As a matter of fact, 
normatively speaking, across the wealthy people that I've worked with over the years, their plans are unbelievably simple. I always heard, you know, that the wealthy people had all these special kinds of trusts or partnerships or sophisticated investments and all these different weird things and all these little things they were doing and that's how they became wealthy. The secrets of the rich. Let me tell you what the secrets of the rich are. They're not a secret. That's the secrets of the rich. It's obvious and it's right in front of us. So keep it simple. It doesn't mean you're stupid. Don't put money in things you don't understand ever. Well, Dave, it's difficult to understand. My my guy says stuff like, have a well-diversified portfolio. Sometimes we use $20 words to describe a $3 concept in the financial world so we can charge you a commission. Diversification, for instance. Diversification simply means to spread around. So when you don't put all of your money in one place, diversification lowers risk. See, if you put all your money in your company stock with your 401k, now you've got your income and your job coming from that company, and you've bet your future on that one company. If this one company goes down, you're roadkill. You're gone. So you don't buy company stock with your 401k. You diversify. You put it anywhere but that, any other company, any other place. For goodness sakes, now I'll show you some things to do with it. But And, you know, these people who get out there and they put all their money in one stock, in one company, that company goes bye-bye, they go bye-bye with it. So you have to spread it around. So here's the thing to remember. Money is like manure. Left in one pile, it stinks. Spread around, it will grow things. <laughs> By the way, diversification is in the Bible. Wow. Ecclesiastes says, give portions to seven, yes to eight, for you do not know what disaster may come upon the land or what character we elect as the next president. (laughs) Scary, scary out there. And so we don't know what's going to happen. Spread your portions to seven, yes to eight, for you do not know what disaster may come upon the land. And when you have your money spread out and you don't have any debt and you've got an emergency fund and wild times come in the economy... You feel like a spectator instead of a participant in the storm. It sets you up in a completely different way. Mutual funds are where investors pool their money to invest. Professional portfolio managers manage the pool or the fund, and your return comes as the value of the fund is increased. What in the world did he just say? Let's try this. I'm going to make this... A mutual fund. I'm going to be the mutual fund manager because I'm the guy up here with the props. So we're going to open a mutual fund and I'm going to uh, let some of you on the front row invest in the mutual fund. When I call out to you, you're going to be an investor. I need to hear your first name. Second in. Yes, ma'am. Wanda is going to put some money in our fund. Your name, sir. Tony. Tony is going to put some money in our fund. Your name, sir. Dominic. Dominic is going to put some money in our fund. Your name, sir. Arnie is going to put some money in our mutual fund. Your name, ma'am. Sally is going to put some money in our mutual fund. Your name, ma'am. Christine is going to put some money in our mutual fund. Your name, ma'am. Carrie is going to put some money in our mutual fund. Your name, sir. John is going to put some money in our mutual fund. Now, what just happened? These people just mutually funded this. It's a mutual fund. This is hard, isn't it? That's what a mutual fund is. They went together and invested in something mutually into a fund. Now, they're on the front row. They're smart people. So they would never put money in a mutual fund unless they knew 
what the manager was doing with it. And unless they had looked at his track record, his character, his experience, how he had done over the last several years with this mutual fund. Now, and then what we buy with this money in this mutual fund, the, what the managers of the fund buy with it, tells us what kind of fund it is. If we were to buy bonds with this money, then we would call this a bond mutual fund. In the industry, we would shorten that and just call it a bond fund. Have you ever heard of that? Say yes. yes. Okay. If I bought stock with this money... And I bought stock in companies that make things like Dove Soap or uh, Country Crock Butter or Q-Tips or Slim Fast or Lipton Tea or Ben and Jerry's or all detergent. I would be buying stock in a foreign overseas company. Those products are certainly all consumed stateside. Many of those products are made stateside with factories here in the U.S., but the companies are not U.S. companies. They are foreign or overseas companies. Nothing wrong with that, but I'm just explaining to you how it works. So if I were to buy stock in international companies rather than U.S. companies, then we might call this an international stock. You're getting it. Now, if I were to buy stock in companies that are growing, maybe... um, Maybe we bought stock in AT&T. Maybe we bought stock in FedEx. Uh, maybe we bought stock in Home Depot. Uh, maybe we bought stock in Walmart. Or maybe we bought stock in Microsoft. Uh, maybe we bought stock in Kmart. Maybe not. Um, and we bought stock in growing companies. Then this would be called a growth stock mutual fund. That's what it is. They mutually funded it. We bought a group of 90 to 200 different companies that are growing. And your return comes as the value of the fund is increased. Not a percentage rate return. It's not an interest rate. It's the Home Depot stock in here went up. And one of the other stocks went down. And three of the others went up. And as a group, the group went up. And so you put $1,000 in here for your kid's college, and now your portion of this pie is now worth $3,000 because the value of the pie went up over time. And that's what mutual funds are, and that's how they work. Now, mutual funds are long-term investments. They're long-term investments. You never put money in a mutual fund for a short term. And let me define long-term, at least five years. You're going to leave the money alone at least five years. You stand a really good chance of getting less out of there than you put in if you don't leave it alone at least five years because they go up and down, don't they? Sometimes they're going way up and it's on the news, not so much, and they're going way down and it's always on the news. I mean, if it bleeds, it leads, right? We know it's going to be on the front page of the newspaper if it's crashing. You know, back in that 2008 debacle when everything went crazy and it's shooting down, I'm doing all this media and I'm standing on there. I'm the one guy, the crazy preacher on the corner going, don't cash out your stuff. Don't cash out your 401k. I know your 401k looks like a 201k. Remain calm. Because the only people that get hurt on a roller coaster are those that jump off. Ride the roller coaster out because it's over time. They're good long-term investments. Now, I personally invest my 401k and have invested my kids' college funds, and I've recommended for 20 years the same exact mix on how to do that. I've recommended you spread out your investments across four types. 
So inside your 401k, inside your Roth IRA, inside your kid's college, or just investing in general, we're going to diversify by being in 90 to 200 different stocks in the mutual fund, but then we're going to be in different kinds of mutual funds. So we diversified our diversification. We're going to put 25% in growth and income funds. We're going to put 25% in growth funds. We're going to put 25% in international funds. And we're going to put 25% in aggressive growth stock mutual funds, which is the wild child of the bunch. You know, the growth and income is the obedient, predictable child. The aggressive growth is all over the place. It's up. I had one of them that was up 110% one year. Back in the 90s with the tech bubble, anybody remember that? The next year I lost 56% on it. So it's right back where it started, basically. But it's all over the place. But it had averaged over a long period of time about 20%. But it was a wild ride to get there. And it's been, it's been crazy through the 2000s as well. So the deal is this, you got to have a little mix here. You got the calm, calm one, you got the wild child, you got the one in the middle, and you've got the uh, exchange student, right? <laughs> so we've kind of got a mix here in the family, and, and there's something always to be a little scared about in there, because if things are going up, that growth and in income looks boring. If things are going down, you're real glad you got it. And so you want to be just very, very, very spread out, very diversified. Now, when you're doing your investing, we always save long-term with tax-favored dollars. Now, we used to say pre-tax dollars, but then the Roth IRA came along, and of course, that's tax-free. Say free. free. That's a good word. I like that word. Free is a good word when associated with the government. It's a good thing. So free, free, free. Now, So now we've got tax-free and we've got pre-tax. So we just call it tax-favored. Tax-favored means that the investment is in a qualified plan. And one of those plans will sound something like an individual retirement arrangement, an IRA. Now, marketing with banks has been done so much that you thought that was an individual retirement account. The law calls it an individual retirement arrangement an IRA. Now, everybody knows what an IRA is. There's a 401k, a 403b, a 457. There are SEPs. There's a little bit of everything. And what's interesting about this is, is people just say, I've got a 401k. Here's what this is. What does 401k stand for? It is the regulation in the IRS code that allows us to have this account. It's section 401, subsection K. With a 403b, it's section 403, subsection B. You go into the code and actually read it. That's how you'll find it in there. And and the 401k is a typical corporate savings plan. A 403b is for nonprofits and hospitals and teachers and that kind of stuff. And that's where you'll see that. 457 is deferred comp. You're just putting off your compensation until later. And and so that's how these things work out. The bottom line is this. We get confused and we say, well, I invested in an IRA. I invested in a 401k. Not really. A 401k is how your investment was treated. Basically, the investment is the cookie jar. This is the money. It could be a mutual fund. It could be an account at the bank. It could be all kinds of different things. This is money. And if you just set money out there in the cold, the government wants a piece of it. If instead you want to keep it warm, you put a little coat over it called an IRA. Or you put a little coat over it called a 401k to keep it warm. But the coat is the 401k. That just means it's, it's, it's got, it's got covering so that the taxes don't get to it. But under here is me. This is, this is the money. This is a mutual fund, for instance. And a mutual fund you can have with or without an IRA. If you qualify it as an IRA 
or you use a mutual fund in your 401k, now we put a code over it and we're keeping it warm from taxes. We're keeping the taxes off of it. So that's how we've got to remember to look at this. Now let's look at IRAs for a second. Remember the IRA is not a type of an investment at a bank. As a matter of fact, I don't recommend you buy your IRA at a bank. I don't want a bank IRA because I don't want bank interest rates. Uh, Awful, right? Instead, it's the tax treatment on virtually any type of investment that you do as an individual retirement arrangement. It's the coat over the cookie jar. Everyone with an earned income is eligible for an IRA. Now, everyone doesn't have an earned income. If you're on disability, you're not eligible. If you get only Social Security or pension, you're not eligible. If you're living off of investments, you're not eligible. You have to have wages or own a business and have an earned income in order to have an IRA. You can't do an IRA that way. And so you can't start an IRA on your children unless they have an earned income. However, I did have a buddy in the investment business one time that had a client came in. The baby was in a diaper commercial. The baby got paid big bucks for the diaper commercial. So they filed a tax return on the baby and did an IRA on the baby that year. But unless you're sending your kids to the salt mines, you're really, <laughs> you're really not going to be able to do IRAs on them. They have to have an earned income and you have to file a tax return for them to qualify on that. The one exception for this is non-income producing spouses. If, for instance, my wife is a stay-at-home mom, if we qualified for it income-wise, we don't, but if we qualified for an IRA, I can do 5000 on me and 5000 on a non-income producing spouse. That's the one exception. That's the one person that doesn't have an earned income that can have an IRA. Now, the Roth IRA came along a few years ago because Senator William Roth, God rest his soul, I love the man. Oh, thank you. The Taxpayer Relief Act of 1997 put the Roth IRA in place. Now, the Roth IRA is an after-tax IRA that grows tax-free. Say free. Free. And if you save like we teach, you're going to have enough money that the Roth IRA is your best route to go. If you get out of debt and you start saving 15% of your income, almost every one of you will have enough money that the Roth IRA is mathematically going to be the way to go. It's definitely the way to go. And Roth, that little four-letter word, is a multi-million dollar word. Let's say you you, you did your savings and you built it up in a 401k. Well, you know as you pull the money out of the 401k that everything that's in there is taxable. Let's say you had $4 million in there. By the time you get that $4 million out, you're going to give at least a million dollars of it to the government in taxes, aren't you? Say yes. Yes. Uh, but if it's $4 million in a Roth IRA, it's tax free. So that word made you a million dollars. It's worth $250,000 a letter. <laughs> wow. Now, the 401ks, the 403bs, the 457 plans, most companies have completely done away with the traditional pension plans. They rely almost exclusively now on a 401k type of a plan or a 403b or something like that. They're not providing company-provided pensions hardly anywhere anymore. That's a dinosaur. It's almost gone. Now, the 401k is great, though. I love it because the upside of a 401k is you own it. See, if a company provides you a pension and the company goes broke, they lost, you, they lost your pension, too. It's an asset of the company. The money's gone. But with the 401k, it's yours. It's in your name. It's your money you put in. Even if they match, it's yours. You're vested, it's yours. And if they go broke, you're fine. You're fine. I talked to a lady this week on my radio show that the company she was working for had gone broke and she wanted to know what to do with her 401k. That's a good question to ask. 
That's a good thing to know that you got to keep your retirement even though you lost your job because that, that's awesome. That's the good side of the 401k. The bad side of the 401k is if you put in nothing, how much is going to be in there? Yo. So you got to use this tool or it's not going to be of any value to you at all. Now, some companies are now offering the Roth 401k, which your portion that you put in is after tax and grows tax. I'm loving this word. Now, the match, if your company matches, cannot be in Roth form. It'll be traditional and it'll be pre-tax and taxable on the match portion. So you'll kind of have two things running in your 401k at the same time. But I offer a Roth at my company. I personally do a Roth 401k at my company. We have both traditional and Roth. All of our people do the Roth just about. I mean, it's it's very simple because it's going to grow tax-free. You just can't beat this. Now, you should be funding your plan whether your company matches or not. But the plans that have that company match provide great returns. Because here's what we're talking about. If you have $1,000 of income and you bring it home, by the time it gets home, it looks suspiciously like $700. Take home pay. But if you put the $1,000 in income pre-tax into your 401k, that $300 that would have gone to Congress is using is being used to grow you money. So in a sense, you're using the government's money to grow you some money by doing it pre-tax. So it's kind of a secret government formula to wealth. Ha, ha, ha. Right? But now this is really important. Think about this. Let's go back to our great American dream example. You remember that 30-year-old couple had a non-matching 401k, put in 600 bucks a month, $7,200 a year. They did that from age 30 to age 70, had $7.4 million. Y'all remember that a while ago? Say yes. yes. Here's what's interesting. 30 to 70 is 40 years. They put in 7,800 for 40 years. That's $288,000. They have $7.4 million in the account, 288,000 of it they put in. The rest of that is growth. That's amazing. What that tells me is every one of those little $288,000 is a rabbit. It's making other dollars. So every one of these I don't send to Washington and I can put up here in that 288 makes me a bunch of others. So it's very, very important to do tax favored stuff, whether it's tax free or pre-tax. Now, if you get ready to do a rollover because you leave your job, you always roll over all retirement plans from your old job when you leave to a new IRA. Move it to some good mutual funds and a good IRA and spread it across those four types we talk about. Always take it with you. And the reason is very simple. Back at the old company, you got problems interacting with them now because you don't work there. Hard to deal with HR, hard to get your options, hard to get your statements, and you only got 10 or 12 options to pick from anyway back there, right? Over here with my IRA, I got 8,000 mutual funds I can choose from. I got total control. I know what's going on. So increased options, increased flexibility, increased control. So always take it with you. And if you do a direct transfer, which is the only way to go, do not bring the money home, make it a direct transfer. If you do the direct transfer, what you're doing is you sit down with your mutual fund broker, you fill out the forms to buy the, buy the mutual funds for your new IRA, and you fill out one more form called the direct transfer form. They send that form back to your old company. Your old company sends the money straight to the mutual fund, not to you. If they send it to you, they have to withhold 20% on it, and you're going to get taxed and hammered and all this other stuff. You want the direct transfer. So in a sense, what we're doing is we're going over here with the coat, and we're getting us another mutual fund, and we're going, come here, come here, right? 
And then we get it back warm again. So that direct transfer costs you no taxes. There's no withholding, no problems, no issues. You just moved it to something that's within your control and giving you many, many more options, which is definitely the way to go. When it comes to retirement plans, never borrow on your retirement plan. How many of you know that you're allowed to borrow on a 401k at most places? Raise your hand. Never, ever under any circumstances ever borrow on your 401k. Was he unclear? I hope not. Never borrow on your 401k. Major problems are created. One little problem is, is that people say, well, you know, I borrowed on my 401k because I got credit card interest over here of 18% and I can borrow there at 5% and I'm paying myself back the interest. Well, that's really cool. Except for the fact that you unplugged a mutual fund that might have been paying you 12 or 15% that year in order to pay yourself five. Something wrong there. And you paid yourself five. I'm, I'm confused as to how that worked out for you. This is something to think through. The biggest problem, though, with this is, is the problem is when you leave your company, you will be hit with a call on that loan. You have 60 days to pay that loan back. And if you don't pay it back within 60 days, they're going to hit you with a 10% penalty, the IRS is, plus your tax rate. So you're going to be hit with about a 40% hit. So if you got a, a $10,000 loan over there, they're going to hit you with about 4000 bucks when you leave your company. And you will leave your company. You will. When you get a better job, when they lay you off, or when you die. Now, when they lay you off and when you die are not times that you need to be having an extra big tax bill due to penalties. You set yourself up to make bad times worse by using the wrong kinds of vehicles when you borrow on your 401k. So if you got a 401k loan, don't freak out. Just put it in your debt snowball, get it paid off. Never do that again. Now, I'm going to go borrow on my 401k and, and pay off all my debts. Wait a minute. You can't borrow your way out of debt. You got to pay that back. You can't dig, get out of a hole by digging out the bottom. That doesn't work. And isn't it funny how we use words like that? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, the Bible says. We say, I, 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 I borrowed to pay off my debts. You didn't pay off your debts. You just moved them. And you moved them, in this case, to a worse vehicle than you had before, even though it might be a better interest rate. But you set yourself up for serious problems. Our suggestion for investing is this. We're going to do 15% in baby step four of our income into retirement. 15%. Say it one more time. 15%. 15%. That means if you make $100,000, we're going to put in how much? 15000 So if we make 50000 we're going to put in $7,500. So you, you real quickly take your household income and between her 401k, your 403b, and Roth IRA, somehow we got to get to 15% and no more. So here's your order of attack. The first thing you do is if you have a match, you fund up through the match. How many of you have, an, have a match at your work? A bunch of you. Okay. The match might be 3%. It might be 5%. It might be 6%, but very seldom is it 15% of your household income. So you take the match that you can get. Let's say we're dealing with that $100,000 couple and they had a 3% match on both of them. So they could put $3,000 in there and get a 100% match on it, right? So we're going to do the first 3% in the match. Then the next step is above the match, do the Roth IRAs if you qualify. Now, if you're married, filing jointly, you can do two of those. That's $10,000. Now, we got 3,000, 3% going with the match. We're going to do two Roths. That's 10,000. Is that 13,000? Are you with me? Say yes. yes. Okay. We're still only at 13%, though. So we've done two Roths and we've done the match. 
Now, the last step then is you complete your 15% by going back to your 401k or other company plans that are available to you and go ahead and round it out. And, and so we got to put another 2% into the 401k. So translation, three with a match and two without. We're putting 5% in the 401k and we're doing a couple of Roths and that got us to 15% with this example couple that I'm walking through. So that's how you walk through it. You take the match is best, the tax-free growth is next best, the non-matching pre-tax is next best. And you walk right down that list and fill out to your 15%. Not 17, not 28, just to 15%. When you really want to make something big happen in your life, don't judge whether you're going to be successful or not by your starting point or by how you feel as you come across these these barriers. We had no information. We had no financial you know, acumen. We came from really, really modest means. I mean, we did not have a lot of money. We didn't have any money. When we first started, when we got married, it was paycheck to paycheck, and it was a very small paycheck, by the way. So we had to overcome a lot of challenges, but I think the one thing that really worked for us was, again, I credit Connie for this because she had this vision. It's like, look, it's happening for these other people. It can happen for us. You know, if I'm talking to someone out there who today is looking at our video and saying, oh, sure, you guys live in this big house, you got nice jobs, you love your career, I wish I was like that. If I was like that, yeah, I could be out of debt. Well, you know what? It doesn't work that way. It's not like, okay, well, one day when I have a great job and I make a lot of money and I know a lot, that's when I get started on the journey. No, you get started because you believe you start developing this faith that it is possible for you. If it's possible for us, it's possible for anybody out there to get on this journey and take the baby steps. Before you know it, it's like you don't have to get to the end of that journey to feel like, yeah, we've made it. Before we had the million dollars in the bank, before our house was paid off, it's like, yes, it can happen for us. This is not wasted effort. We can do this. We can learn here. We can put some money aside. We can save. We can invest. We can give because we were hopeful about a brighter future. You just got to get started. Yeah. I'm always reminded of the time. One of my, one of my things is I, I do best practices, which means I find people who are doing something I'd like to do someday. And I interview them and learn how they're doing it. If they're skinnier than me, I want to know how they did that. You know, if they're, if they're better parents than me, I want to know how they did that. If they got a great marriage, I want to know how they did that. If they become wealthy and they're a strong Christian, a, a strong Christ follower, I want to know what their life looks like. And I, I met a man who's become a friend. He's 72 years old. He's a, a billionaire, actually a multi-billionaire. A billion is a lot. That's a thousand million. This guy's a Christ follower. He's an unbelievable giver, unbelievable family, really a great guy. Not a perfect person, but a great, great guy. And so I'm asking him, I'm sitting down, I said, listen, I want to be you when I grow up. So what do I do? And he said, well, he gave me a couple pointers, always be a giver, always do, gave me some good pointers. And he said, and there's this book I read. You got to read this book, Dave. I love books. I'm a book junkie. So what's the book? Tell me. He said, well, this book is so good. He said, I've read it all the way. As soon as I started having kids, I read it to my kids. And he said, Dave, as soon as I, as soon as my kids started having kids, I read it to my grandkids. He said, I, I got my first great grandbabies. I'm reading it to my grandbabies and I'm going, Oh, it's the Bible. You know, he, he's going to give me a Bible speech. I said, the Bible, right? And he goes, no. And I went, Oh, what's the book? Cause I'll read the Bible, but I mean, what's the book? 
If this billionaire is telling me this is a book to read on how to be him when I grow up, what's the book? And he said, Dave, have you ever read the tortoise and the hare? And I'm like, that's what you got for me. All that build up and you give me the, the Aesop's fable. Really? He goes, no, Dave. He said, this is an important book because we live in a culture full of hares. They run here and there. They can't keep their eye on anything. They can't focus. They never finish the game. They never finish the job. They just they can't even watch a TV show all the way through. Guilty. <laughs> he said, therefore, the tortoise is so unusual that the tortoise will win. And he said, with investing, you just ignore all the ambient noise. You just keep your eye on the ball and you just keep walking. People will think you're strange. They'll call you names. They won't understand. They'll say, he's kind of ugly. Look at him. But you just keep walking. You're going to get prettier. Believe me. And he said, the weird thing is, every time I read this book, he said, the tortoise wins. <laughs> I went, yeah, I bet. He said, you're really not getting this, are you? And I said, no. And he said, when you get home, you get the book. And he said, you read it two or three times, and one of these days it'll come to you. And I did, and I read it. It took me about three times, and I finally, it hit me one day. The tortoise wins. I need to be a tortoise. The diligent prosper. The mind of man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. The diligent prosper. You know what diligence is? Diligence is excellence over time. Excellence every day over time. That's the tortoise. When Paul talks about run the race in the Bible, you look that word up, race, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's a long race. The tortoise wins every time I read the book. So 15% of your income going into retirement isn't for one month or one year. It's for the rest of your life. And it will build a pile of wealth to enable you to not only have lived like no one else, but now you're going to get to live and to get to give like no one else. And you have to take your eyes off of all the distractions because the media is out there every day telling you how bad it is, aren't they? They're telling you how if you don't elect this guy or this gal or you don't put this person in or the world's going to come to an end and, and, and taxes and all, and all, oh, 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 throw a brick through your television. My friend Zig Ziglar says he gets up every morning, reads the newspaper and reads the Bible so he can tell what both sides are doing. The Bible does not say that fear is a fruit of the spirit. Fear is not a fruit of the Spirit. It tells us to be courageous and having done all we know how to do, to stand. And, and so be the tortoise. Be steady. That's biblical living in your finances. It'll change everything. Now, whatever you do, commit to learning how to plant your crops, how to fertilize your crops, and how to harvest your crops. And be like that farmer where you're saying, yes, I am thankful for the Lord's blessings. But you should have seen this field when he had it all to himself. So what's the truth? How do you build wealth? There are so many myths out there about what it takes to become wealthy, how to become a millionaire. And I know you've heard them. You've probably even thought some of these yourself. You know, like it takes a huge six-figure income or that you have to take on risky investments or that you have to be lucky or receive a big inheritance. But none of those are true. You see, in reality, it's everyday people with average incomes who are investing in the things that we teach the way that we teach. It's not an accident. You see, these people are focused, they're disciplined, and they choose to make their money work for them. They know that building wealth requires consistency over time. 
Well, here's the good news. We can all choose to do this. You see, when you live on a budget, you tell your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. When you get intense and you pay off all your debt, you give yourself a raise. And when you have an emergency fund, you're prepared for whatever comes your way. See, you're starting to experience freedom. And your money is now free to start working for you so you can invest for your family and yourself and your future. I want you to hear me. You can do this. You can become an everyday millionaire. I'm telling you. Now, in the next lesson, we're going to be talking all about real estate and mortgages. You know it. Your home is your largest monetary asset. So you want to make sure you're taking the right steps. All right. How many thought that was the advice you're going to get there? How many of you all have invested over 10 years in your 401k or some type of retirement account? What I wanted to share today is that time is not what we think it is. 1981 was 40 years ago. 1981. There are a lot of people in here who could have put $200 away every month with no problem from 1981 to now and would have had over $2 million in their retirement. What I'm trying to say is, is that you have to start today being diligent and consistent and not being emotional, not following every whim that happens. If you haven't taken advantage of your 401k, you have just given money back to the government. How many of you voted for Trump in here? Anybody? Right now, one of the plans that's going to happen is that President Biden is talking about putting a tax on capital gains. Now, I don't know the income it's going to be yet. I don't know what it looks like. But if you're not taking care of your 401k, you're going to pay taxes higher than 20% on your returns. One thing about a lot of the quick return ideas, if you don't hold a stock for 12 months, you pay what's called ordinary tax, meaning long-term taxes where you hold stocks or work back up. How many of the people know when you make money or lose money on a stock? When do you make money or lose money on a stock? When you sell, right? So when you sell a stock, you're either going to make money or lose money. If you buy a stock and hold it for 12 months and sell it after 12 months, you'll pay 20% on the gain if you make money. If you buy a stock for one month and sell it and make money, you're going to pay whatever your ordinary tax rate is. You understand that? So if you're single and you're making over $100,000 a year, you're going to probably be in a 38% tax bracket. So you just double your tax on doing things that... You're selling and buying real fast. So even if you double your money, you're really going to pay 40% of that taxes. So if you haven't participated in your 401k or Roth, first, you're missing a big advantage in growing your wealth. Now, what if your company doesn't have a 401k? How many people company does not have a 401k? Anybody? Got one person. You can go to the bank and get what's called a traditional IRA. And you can put up to $6,000 in that IRA. You can do a Roth. If you do an IRA, that will allow you to take the tax credit. I mean, when you do your taxes, you'll be able to deduct that $6,000 off your income. Meaning if you made $50,000 and you put $6,000 into a traditional IRA, that means you made $44,000 that year. That's what the government's going to tax you on. You understand that? So it's a huge advantage, just like you saved $6,000 and invested it. Didn't pay taxes on anything. I don't want people to feel like you can't make up ground, all you can do is start where you are. If you have the time, you have an advantage. One of the things in preparing for your retirement is you need to figure out when you want to retire. 
and you need to subtract your age from that date. So if you say, I want to retire at 70, then if you're 50, you got 20 years. You build a plan around 20 years. Now, before you build that plan, you have to understand some things. What was the first thing they told you to do before you invest? Huh? Get out of debt. Debt is the biggest hindrance of you building wealth. We don't frown at a person who has a $600 a month car note, right? That's not expensive. But I think that's an expensive car. Raise your hand. All right? So nobody here got a $600 car note. Nobody. All right? Now, when I say car note, let me make that clarification. I haven't talked about purchasing. Dealers love a person that comes in and says, I want a $200 car note. You know why? Because they will finance that car, and you will end up paying three times the amount. You pay $200 for 12 years or nine years. So the car note is irrelevant. What I'm saying is, if you've been working, you had the opportunity to save $200. If you had a $300 car note, because we should be buying our items cash. We should save and buy cash. So what are you going to do? Was this an aha moment for you? Because if I was talking to you in 1980, would you have done anything different? Who said yes? Who said yes? Okay, over here. Okay, one person said yes. I'm talking to you in 2021. It's the same thing. You start now. You get out of debt because let me tell you what happens. If you've done your budget and you see how much you're paying in debt, if you don't have that debt, that's how much you can put towards your retirement. So I did an example of $200, it was $100 a month at age 21, right? And it was 2 or $3 million, right? He did at 30 doing $600. Now $600 in 1980 was equivalent to about $300 really. You could buy with $300 in 1980, take $600 to buy today. And while I was sitting here, I just looked it up. How much would you need to have? How much would $100 buy in, what's the equivalent of $100 in 40 years? How much could you buy with $100 today that you'll be able to buy? How much would it take to buy in 40 years? How much money would it take to buy the same $100 you can use today in 40 years? Anybody know? $242. So when you think about it, Anybody who's in their 30s, 40s, you got to get on the ball. And you got to get intentional. And going after things that's going to lose money is not your answer. Because let me tell you something. When you have cash, there's always going to be opportunities. And not just in the stock market, not just with Bitcoin. Everybody sees what is happening with housing right now, right? You know this happened in 2004 and 5, right? How many people remember 2004 and 5 with the housing market? When people are coming to you and refinance your house and telling you your house is going to be worth this, this, this. So, hey, take the money out and go buy your cars. And everybody was buying houses. And then the bubble burst in 2008. Well, we had the same thing happen. We had a supply chain stop with the pandemic. That's all that happened. People manufacture every day based on the anticipation of selling. So what happens when people stop buying because everybody's locked in their houses? Those companies stop producing, right? So people start coming back out of their houses. Then you only got the inventory from when they stopped producing a year ago. So now everything's ramping up. So now you have limited supply and a high demand. Now prices are higher. That doesn't mean this stuff is worth more now. It's just the demand. And if you understand that, that means I wait. If I know they stopped making tennis shoes, and I know now for me to get a pair of Jordans, they're like 10 times higher, I don't go buy them now. I wait. 
or I buy something else. You understand? You do not operate under the understanding of what's emotional circumstances. That's why I say if you're not doing 15% of your income, your retirement, we don't need to discuss Bitcoin. So who's doing 15%? Anybody? Yeah, one person. You want to know about Bitcoin? <laughs> Listen, it should be an aha moment for you. It should be an awakening that you can change your life just by starting where you are. Get out of debt. Once you get out of debt, throw as much as you can to your retirement. It's that simple. And don't do things that lose money. Don't do things you don't understand. Don't do things because a person told you they are making a ton of money. Because people don't tell you when they lose money. They don't tell you that. They don't tell you when they lose the money. They tell you when they're making money. And that one big windfall may have just brought them back to even. I like fundamental investment. Warren Buffett says, risk comes from not knowing what you are doing. So instead of me talking about options and all this, I want to come with the simplest plan that has worked. And the reason why I like Dave Ramsey, because his plan has worked. If you ever listen to his podcast, you'll hear people calling in who are everyday billionaires because they started saving 15% of what they make. So just to give you all just a brief opinion on this whole Internet and all the Bitcoin talk, I can't tell you what's going to happen with Bitcoin. Some people are going to make money off of it, just like some people make money in multi-level marketing. Some people make money in friends helping friends. But that requires two things that you cannot count on, timing and luck. You got to get in at the right time, and you got to be lucky you bought the right one. Now, you got a lot of things that are going, and you can tell they use the same strategy with things that are not fundamental the way they do with anything that they're trying to hype you up on. If you think about a person coming to you trying to get you to do a multi-level marketing, what's the first thing they show you? They show you somebody at the top who has a big house and cars to get you excited. Same thing with Bitcoin. Don't think it's a coincidence that people are coming out on TV saying, I bought this Bitcoin at one-tenth of a cent and it's worth $20 million. Don't think it's a coincidence that financial shows will tell you people and stocks that are running through the roof. All that gets you to chase it. But there are fundamentals that I talked about when it comes to understanding business where you should understand that you want to see the profits. Businesses were based off of profits. How many of you all would invest in Sears and Robux right now? Come on. Okay. How many of you all would go to a small company? I'm just going to use this company because everybody knows. Everybody knows this is it, right? If this is it went public, right, and they started selling shares, and you know they had good food and everything, and they told you we're making a million dollars a year profit, right? And we said we want to sell 10% of our business. But I don't want you to pay me a million dollars or 10% of a million dollars, which is 100000 For 10%, I want you to pay me $2 million, which is 20 times profits, right? How many would do that? Okay, nobody. Would you pay five times profit? Would you pay for 10% of that company? They're making a million dollars. Would you pay $50,000 for 10% of that business? Anybody? Nobody like this is it? <laughs> okay, what is it? Okay, imagine a company you like. <laughs> I thought that would be good. Imagine a company you like. Would you pay five times profits? Anybody? Three times profits? Anybody? 
Okay, nobody paid three times. Okay, how many of you all would buy Tesla? Right now, Tesla is selling for $10,000 to every $1 profit. $10,000 to every $1 profit. Now, I'm not saying Tesla's not worth it, but that's overly expensive, right? There's the emotion about because people are excited about Tesla. They like everything he's doing. You know, he's very, very charismatic. Going to the moon, going to Mars. I mean, smart. Everybody likes Tesla. Got a great car, right? But by 2034, it's going to be totally electric. The competition has not caught up with Tesla. Now, I don't know how he's going to compete. He may be super smart. But I do know one thing. A company that's been in business for 50 years, making cars and making money, they're going to figure out how to compete. You understand what I'm saying? Mercedes has started making a lot of electric cars. They're going to be making electric cars. You understand what I'm saying? So when you understand fundamentals, I wouldn't say not to buy Tesla. I'm not saying it at all, but you should understand that. That's why people like Warren Buffett, I like him because he's been making money for 50, 60 years. The video, what was it, 1970? When they interviewed him? And Warren Buffett today was in the news because his stock crashed, broke an all-time record as the highest costing per share. So I studied people who I think are practical and have a philosophy. Because Warren Buffett, when I was buying tech stocks, I watched Warren Buffett say, don't do it. He's like, it's not fundamental sound. Don't do it. I'm like, man, I'm buying this web van. <laughs> I'm buying this web van. I'm buying this stuff. had not even had an office. Listen, start where you are. Get your plan. Stop looking at stuff like, hey, because you know what's funny? There was an older gentleman that I knew that was retired, but he was still working. And he sold billboards. And we would always marvel at how spry and youthful he was. He was probably 80. He would show up to work every, he worked in our building. He would show up to work every day in the building. He would come in. You know, he was always happy. And he was still working at 80. And he had a lot of money. That he had saved up, sowing it to his grandkids' lives and set up not thinking about money. But he was going to work every day. And the pandemic happened and he had to shelter in place. In that one year, my friend told me, saw him, he said he had aged almost 20 years. See, everybody thinks they want to stop working. But if you stop working, your body will stop. There is a health benefit to doing stuff. But it's doing things you love to do. So get out of debt. And take advantage of the tax opportunities to grow your money tax-free because that is your biggest liability. There's a reason why people talk about taxes. Nobody talks about that $1,000 I made and I take home $700. We're just happy to get to $700. But you paid an invisible person $300 out of that check and then you think about it. 30%. So this should be an aha moment. And this should tell you today I will start by Making sure my budget is right, eliminating my debt, get my $1,000 of emergency funds saved, and get out of debt. Once I get out of debt, I can then push as much as I can to my retirement. If I need to catch up, that's what I'll do. But it's not going to happen by just osmosis and, you know, you just put your head in the sand. And you don't know when you start activating God in your life, you still know what will happen. Stop being a consumer. Stop being a person who's trying to impress people that don't like you. Start thinking about, I'm going to quit taking my money and working for Louis Vuitton. Whoever you think you're working for, whoever you're paying, that's who you're working for. Even if you're paying Cracker Barrel. <laughs> now, I had a friend, and he was eating out, and he was making you know, $50,000 a year. But he was eating out every day. 
He was spending almost $1,600 in food. He wondered why he didn't have any money. But if you eat out breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you're going to spend about $50 or $60. Even at Cracker Barrels, $15, $20 to sit down and eat there. How many of y'all have completed and have been consistent with your budget? That's the first. Who said that? What was that? Okay, think about this. Think about this. Either you're going to tell your money what to do, your money going to tell you what to do. So we have children, right? You have any children? Can they tell you what to do? Well, how are you going to let your money tell you what to do? <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. I had one gentleman say he saw more in doing his budget. It shows you where your money is going. It's not a miracle, but it opens your eyes. It allows you to know what you're doing. That's why you're at high risk when you don't have a budget. I don't care how much money. Listen, we got a government that can print their own money. And they try to keep a budget. <laughs> right? Right. They can print their own money. And let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. On a serious note, all this money they are easing into the economy with all these things and stuff. Don't think they're not going to come back and get in taxes. That's why they start with all this stuff. But it's going to cross everybody. There's no such thing as free money. And anybody that has a business, we're in church, do not do one of those fake PPP things. If you got a friend that say, look, you ain't got to have a business, you know, you, and you get $20,000. <laughs> Listen, I had a friend tell me about his girlfriend was doing that. And he was like, I was like, look, I said, man, you better run from that. And he tried to tell her, but the government right now is in a place where they are overwhelmed. Just like they were with unemployment, they're overwhelmed. So they're just trying to keep the economy going because if the economy shuts down and people don't have the basic necessities of food, shelter, clothes, you will have chaos. They had to put this money into the system to keep people from starting. You just saw just what people did when they had plenty of money and they just had to stay in their houses. People going crazy, people divorce rate. <laughs> we're not as strong as we used to be. I mean, we used to be out in the fields from sun up to sun down. We can't stay in the house. <laughs> I'm telling you, we're not the same. I'm dead serious. Our emotions are, we go off like that. People, it's, it's just crazy how weak we've become. But you got to know that Christianity is about sacrifice. If you cannot sacrifice, you're not a Christian. God looks for you to be able to sacrifice. How can you say you're going to sacrifice for God? You can't sacrifice for yourself. I hope, I hope that people will take this serious and just start. Get out of debt and see what happens. Get out of debt with a plan that you say, okay, I was paying $800 a month in credit cards and car notes. Since nobody got a car over $600, so I'm going to say, <laughs> I'm paying $800. If I get out of debt, I'm, I'm going to pay $800 into my 401k a month. Whatever your debt amount was, you invest that into yourself and come back in five years and see what you have. Not 10, not 20, just do it for five years. Once you start, it's just like working out. Once you start, it becomes a habit. It becomes a habit and it's easy. I look forward to working out. I've worked out the whole year on an iPad with a trainer. I didn't think I was going to do it, but I was going to avoid the consequences. I was like, shoot, I put this work in. I'm not going to gain all this weight and I will gain weight. I saw pictures. I will gain weight. So, on the Bitcoin, there are two things that's a problem right now with some of these Bitcoin. Now, Bitcoin, I know it's the original and all this, and it's still not quite sure 
how it's going to evolve into a real currency. But there's another coin called Dogecoin that's on Robinhood. And I just want you all to understand what Robinhood is. So you remember I talked about places where you go and you can buy and sell stocks and equities? What did I call that? Who can tell me what is that called? Where the transaction happened. Who said that? Who said something? Anybody? It's called an exchange. Stock exchange. Somebody name a stock exchange. Who said NASDAQ? Yeah. New York Stock Exchange, NASDAQ. Those are stock exchanges. That's where the transaction actually happens. Okay? Robinhood is what's called a market maker. So who knows what a market maker is? Anybody? Okay, good. So this is what a market maker is. A market maker is an institution or individual that acts as a middleman between the buyer and the seller with the sole intention of making money on the spread. What's the spread? A spread is the difference between the price a person is willing to sell the stock, because somebody got to be one to sell it, and the price somebody's going to buy it. Okay? So this is what happens. When you go to Robinhood, they have price, then they have a bid and an ask, right? So you want to buy, you place a bid, right? When you place that bid, that market maker buys the stock. He has to hold that stock. And then he looks for somebody with ask. And you say, I want to sell my stock for $10. And they'll say, well, the range is 10 to 10. They have a range, 10 to 10 on 10 on 6. And you say, I want to sell for $10. That market maker is going to find a person who's asking to buy it. But you can't buy it at $10. You're going to have to buy it at $10.16, $10.05. That's the spread. Okay? So what's the problem with that? Who's taking the risk? Who? The market maker, right. The market maker. Because what happens if I got Dogecoin, right, and I say it's selling for 60 cents, right, and the market maker buys it. But Dogecoin just start tanking because Elon Musk have pulled his money out. He done made money because he bought it at two cents. It <laughs> started tanking, right? What you think Robin Hood going to do? What did they do when the people ran on it? They shut it down. They shut it down because they can't allow people to be able to sell it because they had to buy it. So if it starts tanking and you want to get out, how hard do you think it's going to be to get out? Almost impossible. <laughs> Can't get through. And it's funny because I remember when we were doing the Internet stocks. and <laughs> We had a lot of instances. <laughs> and I remember my cousin, I'm going to tell him, James, right? <laughs> I remember James, he had a stock that was tanking and he was trying to put these sales <laughs> He's like, GG, it's dropping. He's trying to sell it. And they just kept clicking over his price. And it was going to zero. And we used to laugh, but we lose a ton of money. But we were young, you know? And it hurt, but we were young. So when you're young, you're not as smart. Now, there's no way I'd be in that situation. So that's the problem with Robin Hood and those things. You know, that's why if you buy quality, it's not going to tank like that. Why would Home Depot tank? Like that. Because you see the stores. You see people buying lumber, right? They are fundamentals. Now, when the pandemic happened, everything tanked, right? But what happened in 30 days? Did people stop going to Home Depot? Man, they was trying to find toilet paper everywhere, right? They was going to Home Depot. (laughs) No, they do sell it. They do sell it. But what I'm telling you, a market maker that's doing these high-risk stocks can shut down. And like my son was thinking, he thought it was automatic Understand that if he wants to sell his stock, if it's going down, it will automatically be bought. And what I'm telling you, it's not automatic. You understand? It has to be a buyer. And remember what I said, what does this mean when the market is up and down? I said when you have more buyers than sellers, 
the market is going up, just like right now. We got more buyers trying to buy houses than sellers. So the price is going up, right? So they'll say the market is up, the Dow Jones is up, such and such, because there were more people buying than selling. When more people are selling than buying, the market is going down. So I'm telling you, if you're buying something on there, don't be in a position where you got to sell, because you're going to lose that money. Because <laughs> that market maker sometimes hold, and I read an article on the owner, and he was saying they don't hold any of the Dogecoin, and they don't have an inventory where they're holding. Because usually the market maker will buy it and hold it and sell it at a profit. So not only are they making a the spread, they're selling it before they sell yours. Now, let me say this. It's not an evil thing. It's a part of business because you need that sometimes for people to keep the market going for things that are sort of, you know, small, that cannot get on the NASDAQ, can't get on the New York Stock Exchange, you know. So it's not a bad thing, but you just got to understand what you're dealing with. So, yeah, so they have institutions that help them to fund it. So he may not be buying the stock, but Citadel is buying it. Somebody's buying that stock. And that's why I say there's institution involved. I don't know much about it. I just read the article today, but the market maker has to have the ability to buy that stock. That's a part of them being able to be a market maker. Okay, so any other questions? How many people really got something out of this? Or how many people really knew this already? How many got something out of it? How many was an aha moment? Here's the video. I thought it would be better coming from a video that really understood because that had a proven track record in explaining it. But I didn't want to get into talking about all the strategies. I wanted something simple. And I want us to make sure that we go in the right order of things. Don't get involved in buying individual stock if you haven't maxed out your 401k. And definitely don't do it if you're in debt. Get out of debt first. And then once you got more money, you got your 15% going your 401k, and you got some extra money on the side, it's time for you to get a, an advisor. Because I'm not licensed to tell you what to invest in. Shoot, I tell you what to invest in, you don't come at me. <laughs> well, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Yeah, yeah. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. The best thing to do is to get out of debt first. Because I understand there's a time factor. But your debt is costing you more money than just what you owe. You're paying interest. So a lot of times, if you got credit card debt, you definitely got to get out of debt because the market's not going to give you 21%. So even if you make money in the market, you're still losing. And you can put more money in when you're not in debt to somebody. You can max it. The more you can put in, the shorter time you need for the money to grow. Now, I can't tell you what the market is going to do, but from what people see, we are in a growing economy. And what do you see happening? You see a lot of new things coming, right? All the new things with technology, all new things with innovation in cars, all new things what they're trying to do with the infrastructure, all those things are creating jobs. And companies are going to make money. So it's not like it was when we were in the housing bubble. Banks stopped loaning money, right? People were losing their houses because they had refinanced and took the money and bought a car. So people weren't buying stuff from the stores, right? We're not in that situation. But, yo, shoot, we start fighting with Russia, the market will be affected. Yes, there are many practical ways to make money that don't involve the market. The only reason I talk about the market because the market has proven to be the most consistent over the last years. But you can buy houses, anything you understand. Remember, it's what you know, okay? Now, whatever you do, if you're making money, you got to save it. So even if you're making your money doing something else, you got to save it. But do you want to save your money in a savings account that's paying you 0.01% and inflation is 2%? So you still can put it in investment. And if you have your own business, you can do a special retirement plan for yourself. 
that allow you to put more than the $6,000 in. So, no, I'm not saying the stock market is the only way. I'm saying you do what you know, but if you're going to save money, you need to put it in the stock market. That's what I'm saying. Now, you know, you get your three to six months expenses because you don't make money or lose money until you sell. So people get upset and say, like, right during the pandemic, there were a lot of people who took all their money out of the market, took their money out of the market. This is it. They talked about this. It's the end of the world. Everybody going to turn into zombies. 2000. This is it. <laughs> Everything going to shut down. All your debt going to be erased. Y'all remember that? So what I'm saying is, is that I don't know what's going to happen. I don't get involved with trying to predict the future from a standpoint of more than things that I can see. Right. Because if we go into straight chaos, people say, what the dollar is not worthless. I was like, man, money is not going to be my problem. Because <laughs> if you got money, what good is going to do? Oh, you need gold. Well, where are you going to keep it? <laughs> where are you going to keep the gold? How are you going to spend it? Listen, all we can do is what we know to do. And if there is a word from God or if there is a prophetic thing that happens that comes to you, you act on it. But in the meantime, I don't worry about stuff I can't control because I ain't attached to nothing. I do my best not to get attached. And that's the thing. You can't get attached to anything material. Anything. I just saw a story. I'm going to end on this. I just saw a story about how they're saying something about how much money the Kardashians got. And they got all this money. They can't keep a man. <laughs> so money? Oh, no. It wasn't Kardashian. It was another guy. It was a big time $100 million guy who something happened. But they were just saying, listen, you can't get attached to it because money is not going to solve the problems of your peace. It's not going to do it because you don't have peace if the only reason people around you is because you're spending money. I never understood that. I can never have a person that's around me because I'm spending money. So that's my the soapbox. Go ahead. How do you choose an advisor? Very good. I believe in, first of all, always look for references. Second of all, meet with more than one advisor and be honest about your concerns. So when you meet with the advisor, a good advisor has to have a track record, okay? The second thing is, meaning they've been in business a long time. Everything is very transparent. They also will never have your money in something you cannot see. Meaning, you should be able to have an account and a login where you can go and see your money actually in a bank, not in his fund. So a bank is Fidelity or Charles Schwab, I mean, an investment bank, something like that. It's called a custodial account, okay? That's one thing. They should buy things that you see there are true funds. Nothing personal. No personal funds. Never buy from an advisor and say, hey, my company, we got our own funds. It's called, you know, Taurus Fund. Absolutely not. But it's good if you got a bank. Bank will have a fiduciary responsibility. Places like Fidelity, they don't really work off commission. They have a fiduciary responsibility. I mean, they have a responsibility to do what is in your best interest. So those are places I would start. You know, not with a necessary broker. If I don't know much about investing, I would go to a place like Fidelity Investments or Merrill Lynch. That's in Bank of America. Just go where you bank. And then when you talk to them, you tell them what your goals are. You tell them your fears. You say, listen, you can't lose this money. I want to make some money. But listen, I'm good. You can't lose this money. You lose this money, you'll lose it. <laughs> you know, and they will bring you a very conservative strategy. You may have buns, you know, but you can see your money. Don't do anything that's going to cause you not to sleep, okay? And they will do the diversification. They will put you where, hey, if this goes down, everything is not going down, right? So during the pandemic, 
What's one thing you know wasn't going down? What's one thing you could see was not going to go down in value? They were not going to stop. Who's going to make money during the pandemic? Walmart, Amazon, yeah. Who else? What product was going to make money? There you go. That's what I was looking for. Toilet tissue was gold. Charmin went through the roof. <laughs> Any other question? But yeah, that's a good question. And I advise you to get an advisor, but write down your priorities first. I don't want to lose my money. Take him Warren Buffett. Rule number one, don't lose my money. Rule number two, see rule number one. And just to be honest, and you talk to people and the people who really seem to listen and say things to you, and then you can track them and they have a fiduciary responsibility, I mean, they have it in writing. You ask, what's your fiduciary policy? And most banks will have those. And like Edward Jones is not bad either. I think Edward Jones is pretty good. They're in the business of doing families and things like that. So Edward Jones is good. But make sure you got references. Make sure you got somebody who you can call and they can give you some names of people that they've been with. And go talk to them. Say, can I just talk to you? You know, I worked my whole life with this money. And I don't want your advisor to be coming up missing. <laughs> Any other questions? Oh, to the young people, what are you all going to do? I mean, we got a lot of people in here under 25. So you all are in a place where you are hearing the easy way. It's easy from a standpoint of what's required, but it's hard from the discipline. Right? Right? It's easy to do because you say, hey, I'm planning on making more than I can say $600 a month, right? Right? So you all should have an idea of just what should be my fundamental thing. Don't mean you can't dunk the ball, but do the fundamental thing at the core. Be consistent at that. And then anything over that, you can go and try to hit the big home runs. All right? All right, any other questions? Went over a little bit tonight. I get one month to go over, like in church. <laughs> I didn't cut my mic off. Any other questions? <laughs> all right, well, thank you all for coming out. So next month, we're going to talk about preservation. We're going to talk a little bit about insurance. And we're going to talk about just a little bit about your house. I really like what Dave Ramsey has done with these two subjects. It gives people really a good insight. So we'll probably do another video. But how many of you all are purchasing a house? I mean, have a mortgage on the house. Okay, good. How many people are in the market now to buy a house? You got one. Okay. Well, this is the worst time to buy. So save your money because right now you're really going to pay top dollar. All right. Well, thank you all for coming out. And I'll see you next month. You are listening to brothersoftheword.com. This was session five of the Render My Money 2021 series by Gerald Render. This message is number 4528. That's 4528. To listen to thousands of free messages or to send this message number 4528 to a friend, go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, go to iwanttogive.com. That's iwanttogive.com. Listen to brothersoftheword.com often because, brother, you need the word. Oh, brothers of the word.